in this church, we are uh, the family. God is our father, and we are his sons and daughters. And so the church is filled, listen to me, the church is filled with broken people uh, who are broken by sin uh, because, listen, God's holy and he is perfect and we fall short of God's standards. And when we do that, it's called sin, right? We miss the mark. And so sin, in some way, shape, or form, has caused destruction in all of our lives, in all of our families. Everyone here has either lied to someone or you've been lied to, right? There are broken homes in this room. There are single moms and single dads in this room. And that's just the reality of the world that we live in, right? There are no perfect people in this room. There's no perfect people in this world, right? No parent here can confidently say that, uh, that you knocked parenting out of the park this week. Amen? Right? Listen, we, we, this, this weekend has been a rough weekend. I can tell you we blew it, right? We blew it. It's been a rough weekend. But the good news of the gospel is that God has rescued us. Uh, he has redeemed us. He has restored us by sending Jesus Christ. We just sang about it, man, to die on the cross for our sins, the sin that separates us from God. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He took all of our sin so that we might be restored, rescued, redeemed back to God. Right? The Bible says that we're a new creation in Christ. We're no longer defined by our sin. We're no longer defined by our mistakes, but we are defined by who we are in Christ. Amen? And so the beauty of the church is that we don't have to, to navigate the difficulties of, of parenting alone. Amen? I mean, parenting is tough, is it not? And we don't have to navigate those difficulties alone. Every person, every family has a story, and our desire as a church is to engage your family in a bigger story. And that's God's story of redemption. And so last week, uh, if you were here, man, we had a, a great uh, message from Teddy. Teddy kicked off Teddy Hobner kicked off our, our series, and one of the things that he shared was is that no one has more potential to influence your child more than you, and so because of that, what happens in your home is more important than what happens here in church. Because listen, you are with your kids way longer than we are with your kids. Now, you're, you're with your kids day in and day out, so you have the most potential to influence your kids. And so because of that, what I want to talk to you this morning about is about creating an intentional rhythm in your house. Since you have all this time with your kids, we want to help you create this intentional rhythm or pattern, right? Now, every family here has a rhythm or a pattern. It's things that you, you do on a regular basis. So if you're here this morning, raise your hand if you wake up every morning. Everybody should have their hand up, right? Because everybody, if you don't wake up, then something's not good, okay? You, you went on to be with Jesus, which I guess is good. Uh, so maybe it is a good thing, right? So everyone here, you know, we have regular patterns, right? How many of you guys eat breakfast every morning? How many of you guys eat the same breakfast every morning? Right? We got some creatures of habit in here. Yeah. Right? My kids, they love waffles with peanut butter and cinnamon on top. Right? They'll eat that just about every, every single morning, right? How many of you guys, um, when you sit down at the kitchen table, you have your seat and it's the seat you sit in all the time. Like, that's what's the seat, right? How many of you, raise your hand. How many of you, if you mix those seats up, get all bent out of shape, right? <laughs> hey, that's, that's called a pattern. That's called a rhythm, right? You, you, you as a family have developed this pattern, this rhythm. And, and that's, listen, we did that one morning, man, and Jude about had, he went crazy, right? He's like, that's my seat. I'm like, no, 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 that's not your seat, right? And so how many of you guys, adults here, drive 
to work every day, but you drive the same route. You go the same way. Anybody? How many of you have ever tried to mix that up? A few. Okay. Actually, yeah. I, I try to do that, man, because if you don't, you get into that, 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 that pattern, that routine, right? This is why we tend to gravitate to the same gas stations and grocery stores because, listen, familiar is not only efficient, but it's comfortable, isn't it? Right? To be familiar is comfortable. It's why we keep calendars. It's why we set family nights. It's why stores open and close on a schedule and why we have alarm clocks. Our lives are largely programmed around a rhythm or a pattern. And so what happens every day in your home defines what normal becomes for your family. Right, and listen to me, parents. You are the ones who determine and establish the rhythm or pattern in your home. And so the question we want to ponder on today and wrestle with and think about is this. How adults, you should, okay? How many of you adults, when you either got married or maybe when a grandparent passed away, you received fine china set? How many of you have a fine china set at home? Anybody? Some of you? <laughs> this illustration is probably not going to go well for me then because <laughs> only a half of you raise your hands, uh, right? But let me ask you this question. How, how, many, how often do you pull out that fine china for meals? Somebody, raise your hand if you have fine china. Griffins, how often do you pull out that fine china for meals? Once a year, right? Not often. And the fine china, listen, because of that, is not a part of your everyday rhythm of life. So, so here's the thing. If your kids come in and they see the table is set with fine china, they know that something is different, right? First thing they know is they ain't sitting at that table, right? They're not sitting at that table. They're going to be sitting over there with the fine chinette paper plates, Right? <laughs> They, they ain't sitting at the fine china table, and they know that it's a special occasion, right? Because, listen, it's not a part of your everyday life. And as a result of that, the fine china has missed all the conversations that you've had at dinner. It's missed the laughter, the jokes, the wrestling after dinner. It's missed the snacks during movies, right? It's missed all the arguments that you've had as a family. It's, been, it's, it's missed the, the, the tears that have been shed at the table. It's, it's pretty much missed everything. And unfortunately, some of us have grown up with a faith like that. Right? God was important, but he just didn't come out much in daily rhythm or pattern of life. Some of us may have grown up in a home where faith was never talked about. You never went to church on a Sunday, and God never came up during the week. It just wasn't a part of your daily rhythm or weekly rhythm, for that matter, at all. Some of you grew up in a home where God was a part of your, your Sunday rhythm, right? We go to church on Sunday, but like fine china, it just never showed up on any other day of the week. And so it just, it just didn't have this rhythm to it. And so Moses, this guy that we've been talking about last week, uh, have, raise your hand, kids, if you know who Moses is. Moses is in the Bible. He's in the Old Testament. Uh, Moses, God called Moses. He raised Moses up. He called him on the phone. Oh, okay, just make sure y'all pay attention. <laughs> she looked at me like, what? By the way, she's got this coolest Barbie doll up here that does cartwheels. It's, it's pretty cool. Anyways, <laughs> I like that. I like that. So, so, so Moses, God calls Moses. He says, hey, Moses. He's, that's how he does it. Hey, Moses. And he says, I want you to go and I want you to lead my people, God's people, the Israelites, his special people, were in, in slavery. Right? They, were, they were being held against their will. Uh, they didn't want to be there in Egypt. And so God says, I want you to go, and I want you to lead my people out, okay? And so Moses is doing all this. He talks about, in the book of Deuteronomy, 
It's the fifth book of the Bible, and he talks about creating an intentional rhythm, this pattern where God is a part of your everyday life. And so I want to set this up for you, okay, because God has saved Israel, right? Moses has gone in, and he saved them from Pharaoh. You guys know the story where they're going through the Red Sea, and God parts the Red Sea, right? So God has saved Israel, his special people, and they're about to enter into the promised land of Canaan, which is awesome. Okay, now, if you guys don't know what Canaan is like, how many of you guys are familiar with the game Candyland? Right? That's what Canaan is like, man. It's like gumdrops, lollipops. I mean, it's, it's, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. It was, it was abundantly fruitful. Uh, man, it was just an awesome place to be. It was Candyland is what it was. And so everything about Canaan is good. And listen, God promised his people that he would give them this land. And so now God is laying out for his people some rules for them to obey. How many of you guys like rules? All the parents raise their hands. No kid raise their hands. Listen, listen to me. Rules are good for us. All right? Rules protect us, right? We have a rule, don't play in the street. That's a good rule, right? Because it could save your life someday. Right? So rules are there to protect us. And so God was setting up some rules to help them and keep them safe. But here's what I want you to notice, okay? This is, this is very important that you grasp this and that you get this today. And God didn't say, okay, Moses, I want you uh, to go to my people who are enslaved in Egypt, and I want you to give them all these rules first. And if they listen and obey all these rules, then I'll save them. God didn't do that, did he? What does God do? God goes in and he rescues them first, doesn't he? He saves them. And when he does that, man, they realize how much God loves them. And so now God is saying, you are my people. Here, I want what's best for you. I want your life to be fruitful. I want you to live abundantly. I want everything to be good for you. So follow these rules and it will go well for you. And because of his love for them, and because he saved them, they, they, they want to listen and obey, right? Now listen to me, kids. It's no different in the New Testament, right? What did God do for us before you were ever born? What did God do for us? He sent his son Jesus to do what? Die on the cross. See, God didn't create us, and God didn't say, okay, guys, I want you to follow this list of rules first, and if you follow these rules, then I'll, then I'll let my son come and die for you. No, he, he saved us first. He rescued us first. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, while we were still missing the mark like crazy, God sent his son, Jesus, to die for us. So God loves you, and he's rescued you. He's redeemed you, right? He's done that so that when you grasp the love of God, man, I can't believe God has done this for me. Then that's, then that's going to change you. It's going to do something. It's going to change you from the inside out, and you're going to want to listen and obey. You're going to want to follow his commands and his rules because those things are good for us. You see the difference there? Does that make sense? Parents, you can help me explain that later to your kids, okay? But that's, that's, that's an important piece right there, okay? So he saved them first, right? It's about, it's about heart change, okay? Now let's go to Deuteronomy 6. That's where we were at last week. I'm going to read this passage of Scripture real quick. I promise we're not going to go long today. We're going to be short. All right? Deuteronomy 6, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. If you have it on your phone, share with your kids. Let them follow along with you. This is going to be good. All right. You guys look good, by the way. It's good seeing you. All right. 
So here it is. I'm reading from the ESV, English Standard Version, and this is what Moses says in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. He says, Hear, O Israel, that's God's special people, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Verse 5, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. Now, kids, let me ask you a question. Does that sound familiar to you at all? Have you heard that before? Right? Who else said that later on in life? Jesus, right? It was the greatest command, right? Somebody came to Jesus and said, hey, what's the greatest command? Jesus said, Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he added a second. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. We'll talk about that more in just a second. So, verse 6, and these words that I command you today shall be on your hearts. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. Now listen, man, they literally did this. They didn't have bazillion copies of the Bible like you and I have today. They didn't have copies of the law of God. And so they literally binded commands on their hands and walked around with them. And then look at the next verse. It says, uh, and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. They literally had that in front of them as they walked around. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, right? The doorposts, the door frames as you walk in. And so what the Bible has just done, listen to me, the Bible has not asked you to really add anything to your life, but rather to reorient your life around the things of God. It's not like Moses said, okay, do what you do, and on top of that, add all these things to it. He says, rather, let's, let these things be woven into what you are already doing. And so our goal here today is this. It's not for you to leave here feeling overwhelmed like you can't do this. It's not for you to leave here today and think, man, I've got one more thing to add on my already busy schedule. Listen, our goal here today is for you to leave and feel empowered, encouraged, that with the help of the Holy Spirit of God that lives in you, that you can create, be intentional about creating a daily rhythm or pattern in your home to where God is at the center. Amen? That's our goal today. You guys good? All right. So, these are the things we need to understand here, okay? The Israelites, going back to the Israelites for a second, God's special people, they've just spent 40 years in the desert. Doesn't sound like fun, does it? During that 40 years, the people of God have become very dependent on God for their everyday needs. 40 years in the desert, right? You don't feed hundreds and thousands of people in the desert three meals a day without help from God, right? Uh, there was no McDonald's Happy Meals. There was no Chick-fil-A, right? There was nothing like that. And so God has helped them. They have depended on him for 40 years. The people of God have received daily reminders that God was all they needed. And so the words of Moses here are super, super important because, listen, remember, they're getting ready to enter into the candy land, right? The land of candy canes and gumdrops and lollipops, right? Chipotle. Did somebody say Chipotle. You know me. You know me. And God, listen, God knew that it would, would be easy for his people to forget their need for him. Listen, 40 years, man, all they've done is relied on God. They're getting ready to go into candy land. They see all these candy. They see all this stuff, man, right? And they think, oh, their mouth is watering. 
And, and, and it won't take long for them to think, wait a minute, what do I need God for? Right? And they'll tend to forget God. Right? That's, that's, that's the thing. And so God says, listen, you need to be deliberate. You need to intentionally create a rhythm and pattern within your home. Because, listen, in Candyland, let's be honest, they'd easily get distracted. I'm going to tell you something. It's no different today. Right? No different today, right? What type of distractions do we have today? I mean, come on, right? I mean, we got all kinds of distractions, right? We've got technology. We've got busyness. We've got calendars. We've got sports and activities and different things that just keep us on the run and run and run and run, right? We, we're busy. I mean, we're so busy, it's, we're crazy busy. Can I get an amen? Right? So Moses' words again, listen to what he says. He says, you shall teach them diligently. Those words, it means to impress in, to fix in, to be persistent, to create a rhythm, a pattern. In other words, it's not just, uh, you just don't pull God off the shelf on Sundays, but you make him a part of your everyday life. Listen to me, no human being ever, regardless of age, needs to be told something one time and then never again, right? All right? It doesn't work that way for you, and it certainly doesn't work that way for your kids, amen? Listen, I know, man, I've got a almost six-year-old, six-year-old, and I can tell you this is how it goes in our house. Hey, Jude, pick up your clothes. Hey, Jude, pick up your clothes. Hey, this is not where your clothes go, Jude. Hey, let me show you where the clothes go. Jude, pick up your clothes. Jude. I'm, I'm not kidding. That's how it goes, right? And I'm sure it's the same way in your house, right? Whatever it is, go brush your teeth, go put your shoes on. Whatever, you've got to tell them a bazillion times, right? It's consistency. This is how it works, right? We teach them over and over and over again, right? Listen to me. I know that as parents, you're already having daily conversations with your kids about schoolwork, right? You're having conversations about the sports or music they play. You're already having these conversations, and so God is just saying, hey, weave spiritual conversations. Weave me into those conversations. Make me a part of your daily life. And see, that's the good news, parents, is that God has already established a rhythm or pattern that's a part of your family life, right? Everyone here eats. Everyone here travels. You're going to get in the car today. You're going to go somewhere. Everyone here goes to bed at night. And so in those daily times, in those those rhythms of life, man, create those rhythms where you're having spiritual conversations. Listen to me, parents. You are the ones who set the spiritual climate in your home. And if you're here today and you're a man and you're, you're a part of a family and you lead a family, let me tell you something, man. It is your job to lead this. And you know, if you sit there and you say, well, you know, it's just not my personality. I just, you know, I'm not really that involved. Baloney. Come on. Listen, God has created you in his image and you have the Holy Spirit of God living in you. Don't tell me that you can't do it. Right? You pray. We'll lay hands on you and pray for you. You catch my drift? Uh-huh. All right, I'm serious, man. It's, it's our responsibility. It's our job, right? And so this is going to look different 
for all of us here, but I just wanted to share a few practical examples, and then we'll close it out here, okay, uh, of what we do as a family. And let me tell you something, man. I share these things not because we do these perfectly. All right, we don't do these very well, but we're, we're working on it. We're striving to do this. But I just want to share with you some ideas of things that we do. And you, some of you here, listen, I don't have teenagers yet. And I was just out there talking with uh, a young man, and he's talking about, you know, teenagers. And I'm like, man, I just, I'm not looking forward to teenage years. And so if you have teenagers here and you want to get up and share some, some practical examples, by all means, I'll step aside because I don't have teenagers yet. I have no idea what, you know, what that even looks like. But I can share you what we, with you what we do, okay? So here, here's the deal. For us, we've created a daily rhythm uh, where breakfast is kind of our time together, right? Breakfast, I mean, we have dinner together most of the time too, but breakfast is where we really have the spiritual conversation, right? So we'll, we'll come down. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll pray, and we'll have our time together. And I'll ask Jude, you know, we do a verse a week. What's our memory verse? What's the verse we're learning this week? And so we get Jude to kind of repeat that for us, okay? And it's not just about repeating the verse, okay? When we're asking questions, what does this verse mean to you? What does that word mean to you? What, what does this look like for you? How do you live this out? So we're having those conversations. And listen, again, don't, I don't want you to picture this like serene, uh, breakfast time where everything's hunky-dory, you know, usually shepherd is throwing a fit, throwing waffles across the table. Okay, we're, we're having these conversations, right? It's just, it's not perfect, okay? But, but we're doing it. And let me tell you something, we, there's seven days in a week, we don't do it all seven days, right? There's some mornings, you just, we just don't do it. But I would say four or five mornings, man, we, we, we strive to have, the, have those conversations, okay? Listen, uh, in the car ride, anytime you get in the car, what an amazing opportunity that you have to, to, to share with your kids and talk about God's creation. Listen, from zero, from birth, till about five, three, four, five years old, you want to create wonder, awe and wonder in your kids, right? Every chance we get, man, we, we, the moon, stars are out, we're in the car, man, God created that. How awesome is God? Right, God's amazing. You know, we just talk about the animals, you know, even this morning, right, Jude's in the window looking at squirrels, him and Shepherd. Like, who created those squirrels? God did. Isn't God awesome? Right? The trees. You see, you just want to create this awe and wonder that your kids are like, man, God created all this. So, man, every chance you get when you're in the car, when you're walking outside, man, just point things out. Right? That's just a normal pattern, right? Everyday thing that you do. Just point it out. I love, man, because Jude has, I brought a couple things here. Jude has this uh, book that we, we got him. It's called My First Big Book of Space, right? And so this is great because in this book, man, it's pretty awesome. Like, I've learned a lot of stuff. I'm like, I'm going to go back to school now. Uh, not really. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but in this book, you know, all these different planets and different things and you can learn. And uh, it's been pretty cool. And it's been cool to say, you know what? God created all this, man. God is big. God is mad. I mean, he is, he's got the world in his hands. And he created all in one. And I love because one night we were reading, and you know how uh, I think it's Saturn has the rings, right? And then Uranus has a ring also, but it's kind of tilted. you guys know that, right? And so in this book, they say that scientists believe that years ago, uh, uh, something the size of a planet kind of smashed into Uranus and made it tilt. I don't know if that really happened or not. They probably don't know either, but that's what they said. Sounded good, right? And so, so we're, we're reading about that, and then uh, it was Jude and myself. We were reading this at bedtime. And then if, about a month ago, Robin had taken Jude to the beach to, with some friends. I stayed home with Shepard. And they're all talking one night at the beach, and, and Jude, we just read this, and Jude comes in to all these, these grown women, adult women, and he's telling them about Uranus and how it's tilted and how a planet crashed into it. And they're like, ha, ha, whatever. 
thinking he just doesn't know what he's talking about. She came home to tell me that, and I said, no, no, that's true. My five-year-old was teaching you ladies something, and y'all were like, I don't so, so, man, create on wonder, man. So anytime you get some opportunity like that to do that, uh, bedtime. Listen, bedtime is huge. Bedtime is a prime opportunity for you to go in. Even if you have teenagers, man, don't, don't, just, don't just send them to bed. Don't just say, hey, go to bed. Go up there, man, and have, listen, that's, that's a time where you can have some good conversations. At least that's what I've been told by people who have teenagers. Right? Is Lynette in here? Where are you at? Is that not true? You got to stay up later. <laughs> this is true. But, but listen, it's worth it because you have some good conversations with your teenagers, right? Uh, at, at, our, at our age, where we're at right now, we, we have, uh, what did I do with them? Oh, we have, uh, I mean, we read all kinds of different books. We have two, two Bibles. We have the Jesus Storybook Bible. This is by far my favorite uh, Every Story Whispers His Name. This is where I got the title for our sermon series at the beginning of the year from a kid's book, right? I'm very creative, right? So, so, but I love this, man. This is a great, great one for your kids. This one here is as good as well. It's the biggest story. It's, 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 um, so I would encourage you, man, grab these, pick these up. If you want to come up and look at them, that's great. But just read a story, man. It doesn't have to be a Bible story. It can be whatever. But, but have conversations with your kids, man. Tuck them into bed at night. Pray with them. Listen, every single night I pray over my kids, and I pray the same exact thing every single night. I pray first and foremost for their salvation. I pray that they come to know Jesus. I pray that they know and they grasp how, how wide, how long, how deep God's love is for them. I pray for their hearts. All right, because listen to me, this, all, all of this, what we do, man, creating this, this rhythm, this pattern, it's not about just trying to create good kids. All right, we don't want just good kids, Right? It's not about just behavior, right? But it's about changing the heart. It's about pursuing the heart. And so that's what I would encourage you guys with today, man, is to think about, be intentional, create those daily rhythms, those patterns. Make God a part of everyday life because it's about the heart. I'm going to tell you something, man. Jesus was the master at going after the heart, right? Going, going back to, to the story where this, religious leaders and teachers came to Jesus and they asked him some questions. They said, hey, teacher, of all the commands in the Old Testament, what's the greatest? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God, Deuteronomy 5, 6, 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know what, you know what Jesus did there? Jesus addressed three relationships. He addressed his relationship, the relationship between us and God, Right? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Grasp the love that God has for you. Recognize what Christ has done for you. And listen, parents, when we, when we begin to create this awe and wonder at an early age, and our kids are like in awe of who God is, that's going to help. And then he, he addressed our relationship with others, right? Love your neighbor as yourself, right? So, so listen, because God loved us first, we can love others, right? And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. He addresses the relationship with our, to ourselves. And so listen, parents, it's very, very important that at a young age, because listen, even from two, one, two years old, your kids are trying to find an identity. They're, they're, they're uh, looking for an identity. 
And you've got to drill in them day in and day out. You are created in God's image. You are a child of God. Because if you don't do that, they're going to find their identity in something. And it's going to be the wrong thing. Now listen, if you're a parent here, and you're like, man, I just didn't do any of these things. And you're like, man, I, I, I blew it. Listen to me. The gospel is good news. It's freeing. Do not live with guilt. Don't, don't leave here feeling guilty because you didn't do something. That's not our intent today. Now, if your kids are grown and left the house, and you're like, man, I just, I just really blew it, don't, don't put that on you. Don't put that on yourself. Right? The gospel will liberate you from that. The gospel's good news. Okay? So rest in the gospel this morning. Pray for your kids. Pray for them. And then get involved with this family. I love Jonathan Stanger. Can you mind if I mention this, Jonathan, what you did? Do you care if I mention what you did last night? Jonathan Stager, he, he does this thing with his kids, his boys. And I, I love it, man. He had about six or seven guys here that are involved in his boy's life. And he has this ceremony for them. And it's just a really cool thing. A really cool thing. And so, so listen, if you're here this morning, your parents have, I mean, your, your kids have grown and left the house, get involved here, man. Pour into a young person. Love on them. Encourage them. Be there for them. All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for our families, God. Thank you for our big family, the church family. God, I just pray this morning that as we enter into a time of communion, God, that we would together as family take this and celebrate what you've done for us. God, it's the victory we have in Jesus. We just give you all the praise and glory. You are worthy. You are good. You are great. You are glorious. And we just give you all the praise and glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we're going to do this. We do this every single week. We're going to do communion time. And uh, so if you're, you're here and you've got young kids, listen, take, do it together as a family. All right? Talk to your kids about what this means. The, the bread represents the body of Christ that was on the cross. The juice represents the blood. Listen, I don't mind if you talk during this time with your kids. Share with them what you're doing. Share with them what you think about and what you meditate on before you do it. And help them understand that this isn't just something you do on Sunday. But man, I think about these things daily. I examine my life daily. Right? Because I want to pursue holiness. I want to pursue God because of what he's done for me. Amen? Alright. Guys, come on up and serve. the empty things I've heard upon this earth speaks righteousness for me and stands in my defense Jesus it's your blood your blood Speaks a better word than all the empty claims I've heard upon this earth. Speaks righteousness for me and stands.